Hi, this is Jonathan from Lewis Jewelers. If you're in the market for a diamond, we can make the experience easy and stress-free. Not to mention we can save you time and money. As a general manager, one of my roles is to hand-select every diamond that comes into our store. Don't shop alone. Come see me or one of my trusted advisors and find the perfect diamond today. Where Ann Arbor gets engaged, Lewis Jewelers. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Anthony Broom. Chris Ballas out sick currently, so we've got to get him ready to go healthy for Thanksgiving and the game on Saturday. But thank you to everybody for being with us. An early happy Thanksgiving. We are recording on Wednesday morning, so hopefully people watching slash listening well don't watch if you're driving but maybe on their travels um as they uh have a great holiday and head into michigan versus ohio state please like this video if you are watching on youtube subscribe to our youtube channel as well and we have a special offer for all of our youtube and podcast viewers and listeners one dollar of premium access over at the wolverine.com for two months using the promo code um1 that's um the digit one. So check that out. It's also up on the screen. If you're watching on YouTube, check us out over at the Wolverine.com. We got all of your coverage, not only on this game, but Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting throughout the year. Anthony, we are a day before Thanksgiving. We have three days until the game top five matchup 11 and 0 against 11 and 0. How you doing? Yeah, we're here a day early, and let me set the stage for you because we want to do a public, a, you know, provide a public service to our listeners. Uh, you know, some long commutes, maybe some flights are coming up. Maybe you're a guy that's driving to the in-laws' house, and you know, the the deal you cut with your your significant other is okay. You you could be the passenger as long you know if I'm allowed to drive. Let me put the podcast on. This is that podcast. We do have a great driving. We, we have a great female de- demographic, though, I, I assume as well. It could go either way. That's why I said significant other, whoever it is. True. Um, you said a guy, though. But... No, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm a guy. I can only speak from my perspective. But maybe you're driving. You cut the deal. You know, you flip on the podcast. This is the podcast. And you're fine with that because you feel better driving anyway. So we are happy to be here uh, along. It's going to be a very long three days. Uh leading up to this game it feels like it's a week that sneaks up on you and then it's it's both the longest and shortest week of the year give because there is the holiday in there as well we all kind of put a pin in our coverage this week and there is still a lot of great coverage coming out on it but um, you know you have thanksgiving you have some black friday stuff going on family all that kind of stuff but come saturday it's uh it's game time and boy it is if this is not the one with the most stakes that I can ever remember, someone can fill me in otherwise. Yeah, no doubt. We talked you know, quite a bit about that on Monday, so people can check that out as well. If you got one of those longer commutes, you know, we talked about the stakes, the pressure on both sides, kind of all the big picture stuff. So today we'll get more kind of into the game. Uh, and we do also have three basketball games to watch this week as well. We won't talk as much Yay. about that until, until you know, going forward, probably next week for the Oregon game, just because there's so much going on with Michigan, Ohio state and everything going around the the football program. But I can tell you this, I can't wait to watch the game tonight against Memphis and then get to the bar. That is, that's the goal. Uh, AB it's a national. <laughs> it holiday, times out so perfectly for that. It does five o'clock tip. So some people probably listening after, so they know the result. Maybe it wasn't that exciting to watch, but we shall see. Uh, let's talk about our friends over at prize picks, AB football season. It's rivalry week for football season, and there's no better way to enjoy the games than by playing daily fantasy with prize picks. 
you pick two to six players and predict if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. All first-time users that deposit and use promo code Wolverine will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So if you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they will give you $50. We made our picks this week as always. I'm going with a couple Michigan basketball picks because that was on – what was on the board for me as we're kind of earlier on in the week. And there will be much more football plays up there as the week goes on and a ton of football to watch, by the way, the next few days, but I got Doug McDaniel against Memphis more than 15 and a half points. I think it's going to be a, a fast paced, high flying game. I think he's going to be able to score in transition. And then Terrence Williams, the second, I got him less than nine and a half points. Um, I, I don't know. Memphis athletic team, very good defensive team. I just think he's going to go slightly under that nine and a half. Yeah, for me, uh, sticking with a few Michigan eight adjacent guys uh, for this, uh, I am going with, of course, it, it's a yearly tradition here. I believe it's a yearly tradition that the Red Wings play the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, Michigan man Dylan Larkin, I'm going with more than 19.25 time on ice uh, for this game against the New Jersey Devils. And then a name we're all very familiar with as we have college basketball feast week here. And uh, Hunter Dickinson, Kansas center, still weird to say that they play Tennessee at 2 uh, 30 PM on Wednesday. Again, uh, this game will probably be long done by the time a lot of people get to this, but I am going with more than 19 and a half points for the former Michigan stars. So Dylan Larkin, more than 19.25 time on ice. And then Hunter Dickinson, more than 19.5 points day against Tennessee. All right. I like it. Uh, go to prizepicks.com or download the prize picks app today. Again, use the promo code Wolverine for an instant deposit match up to $100. Again, promo code Wolverine, just how it sounds over at prizepicks.com or the prize picks app. Let's get into the game between Michigan and Ohio state. Just a couple facts as we head in Fifth time in history that both teams are undefeated since they started playing on the final weekend of the regular season in 1935. Other occurrences, 1970. 1973, we are 50 years removed from the 1973 10-10 tie controversy with the athletic director's vote. 2006, one-versus-two game right after Bo Beckler passed away. And then 2000, uh, 2022, last year. So it's the first time ever that it's been two years in a row of 11-0, 11-0. Stakes were almost as high in 2021, both teams with one loss. So really kind of a three-year stretch here that has, you know, there are, there are these little pockets, it feels like, in the rivalry where you, you basically have 20 years of dominance from Ohio State, right? That's not a little pocket, I guess. Um, but, you know, the 90s, Michigan has the edge. Right now, the last few years, Michigan has the edge. Ohio State's had the edge in, in several other decades in different years. Uh, and it feels like we're kind of in one of those right now. And that's why this is kind of so crucial. 13th meeting between the teams when both are ranked in the AP top five. Michigan's won four of the last six when that's the case. But Ohio State has a 7-4-1 overall mark in those uh, situations. Michigan has won 10 of the last 13 in which both teams were top 10. Michigan has won 21 straight home games overall. Program's longest streak since 1969 to 1973, third longest in program history. Last home loss with fans in the stands came against Ohio State 2019. Obviously, they dropped a few in the 2020 year at the big house. But I want to start there, A.B., with, with the home crowd, with the environment that we're going to get. I asked J.J. McCarthy about that 
on Monday, and he said it was cinema two years ago, the 2021 game. It was a movie. And sometimes, you know, I've jokingly used that that term like, oh, man, tonight was a movie or whatever. Last night was a movie. That was a movie scene type of deal in 2021. The field storming, the snow falling. Um, it was it was magical. JJ used that word as well. Um, and you would expect with everything that's gone on and the fact that the stakes are high, you know, in and of themselves, that it's going to be very similar and a pretty revved up crowd on Saturday. I think it has the chance to surpass what 2021 was, given everything that's transpired since then. And, and when you yeah. think back to that game, I remember for some reason I, I did some, uh, there's a radio spot or some kind of interview at a bar downtown. So I did park downtown the day of that game. And I remember walking through, you know, you walk through and then up towards the stadium and, you know, a lot of times you make that walk with headphones on. You just, you're just trying to, it's cold. You got your hands in your pockets, your head's down. But that day I kind of made it a point to try and soak up the vibe a little bit. And there was from the jump, something felt different about that day, even heading into the stadium. And then, you know, of course you get into the stadium. I like to do that, you know, the walk around the concourse or, you know, last few years, you and I have kind of snuck down to level three and just kind of soaked in the atmosphere before the game that day felt, different and it did feel feel like a again i feel like a lot of the cliche terms are often so overused but that was when i think of cinematic college football rivalry saturday that that one is very clearly in my brain and the fact there was a snowstorm after the game took me like two and a half hours to get home but it took me like 45 minutes and i live a mile away (laughs) yeah you could have taken a bird scooter on ice and it would have gotten you there faster so it's like um yeah, everything about that day was uh, it was it was something else. It was something special, and I know the the Ann Arbor atmosphere, the the Michigan Stadium crowd catches a lot of heat sometimes. It's not quite it's not quite like going into the Lions Den that is a lot of other places in the Big Ten. That's just that's just how it's been. But that day it was, and I feel like Saturday it will be as well. For big games, the big house delivers. And really every stadium has those lulls for some of those lesser games. Like I went down to Texas BYU this year, and honestly, I was surprised at how quiet it was. Um, you know, especially the things you hear about the South and you know how electric those atmospheres was, and it was awesome. But the big house is still is still up there, especially for the big games. Um, so I think it's going to be a great environment on Saturday. And going back to that 2021 game in retrospect. Looking back on it, it made way too much sense that Michigan was able to win that game and that Michigan kind of flipped this rivalry over the last couple of years. Easy to say in well, hindsight. Well, of course it does. Of course it does, Clay. They were stealing signs. Well, that's not what I meant. <laughs> but um, but touche. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, to me, looking back that day, I, I agree with you. I had a similar feeling kind of before the game. I was joking that Ohio State looked all over the place in warm-ups and they looked tight. But they actually did. Um, I was joking, but I was also like, I kind of believe this, watching their body language, watching them and everything, and kind of came to fruition that day. So uh, Michigan fans obviously hoping it is going to be similar on Saturday. I will say this to channel the the great Bob Eufer. It promises to be three and a half hours of some of the most exciting football in the 153-year history of man's inhumanity to man. All the blue chips will be out there on Canham's carpet on Saturday and uh, we shall see what happens. Let's dive into the matchup overall. Starting, be, go just, ahead, just, AB. Just to adjust the quote, it'll probably be closer to four hours because this is the Fox broadcast. So true, true. We got the clock rule though. <laughs> That's, That's been true. Our, 
No one talks about it anymore, AB, the clock rule. No, because you started turning teams over and, and you know, blowing them out even worse after that happens. So, yeah, I mean, that's was that's always true. overblown. Let's start with the Michigan offense against this fantastic Ohio State defense that has improved a lot since basically what was a debacle for them in that game a year ago. 45-23, Michigan wins that one. Uh, what, five touchdowns of 45-plus yards? And, you know, the big plays really kept Michigan in that game early on. They closed the game out for them late, 75 yards from Donovan Edwards, lightning strikes, 85 yards from Donovan Edwards. Another lightning strike to seal the win for the Wolverines. Biggest thing I've noticed from this Ohio State defense is, you know, I was paying attention in the spring. I was paying attention in fall camp to what was being said coming out of Columbus. And all they talked about was, Yes, Jim Knowles and that defense have made adjustments. And honestly, watching them this year and looking at the numbers, it's it's worked for them. Last year, uh, I have it here, but on the big plays perspective, because Jim Knowles is an aggressive defensive coordinator coming from Oklahoma State. He came in, I guess, with the philosophy that you can allow five explosives a game. But, you know, the aggression, everything that goes into that, um, you know, it'll even out where, right, you get the havoc plays, you know, you, you force interceptions and, and turnovers and everything like that. It'll even out. And he did a great job, obviously, in a different conference there and did a great job with Ohio State last year until the game against Michigan. But last season, Ohio State gave up 52 plays of 20 plus yards. That was tied 48th in the country, 25 of 30 plus yards, tied 66th, 66th, uh, 18 of 40 plus tied 115th in the country this year through 10 outings Buckeyes have allowed 97 of 10 plus that's fourth in the country 25 of 30 plus that's third eight um or sorry that was 20 plus and then eight of 30 plus that's third as well and one play of 40 plus yards and guess what that was a Kalmanung guy for Rutgers fumble Ruski against Ohio State so this defense has kept things in front of them they've been extremely good Last six games, only allowing 8.8 .8 yards or, excuse me, points per game. Um, they've stopped the run. The secondary is much improved. The linebacking core is largely back. And it's going to be a tough test, I think, for Michigan. What have you seen from this Ohio State defense this year? I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me is that if you get this Ohio State defense in a four-quarter fight, I don't think the bottom falls out like it does, the, like the, has the last few years. And again, I mean, the the Jim Knowles philosophy of, oh, well, you can allow X amount of explosives. Well, they did that last year, and all five of them were touchdowns. Which yeah, you don't is, want them to be touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – and maybe it's a bit of an anomaly too, right? I mean, we – lest we forget, I mean, though, at, before those two Donovan Edwards runs in that game, Ohio State did a pretty nice job of, of shutting down Michigan's running game. And again, comes with the caveat there was no Blake Corum there, but – Mm -hmm. You know, you look at guys, you know, they do have disruptive guys. Uh, JT Tuimololau, I believe I said that right. Uh, he is, he's a game wrecker. And I know the numbers aren't, you know, you'd like to see the number. I mean, for Michigan, you don't want to see the numbers be higher, but you just watch that guy. And it seems like every time I flip on an Ohio State game, that guy's out there making plays or causing trouble or doing something. Um, and again, it's similar to Michigan. Most of those guys from last year's team are back. Failure is a an, an extremely good motivator, and those guys have two years of failure now. So to me, I mean, it's the thing that I see is that Michigan needs to be ready for this to be 
you know, I, I could see this game, you know, if the two outcomes here that is this is either a shootout or one of those like big 10 West type of bar fights, I kind of feel like this might be closer to the latter in terms of what we see from both these teams on Saturday. So defensively, you know, they've done a really nice job again, where Michigan's had its success against Ohio state, even you going back to that 2021 game is kind of attacking the edges. You know, you think of a guy like Samaj Morgan, who could be a potential X factor in this game, you know, some of the misdirection stuff that we really haven't seen Michigan do a ton of the last few weeks and likely probably by design to a certain extent too. So, you know, uh, Sharon's going to have a good game plan for him. Um, Jim Harbaugh is putting in a good game plan for them. And, you know, I think when push comes to shove, uh, Michigan has Michigan for the first time in, gosh, a long, long, long time. Uh, has the better quarterback between the two teams. I have no issue saying that. So offensively, I mean, it's going to be a dogfight. And it's going to be, you know, if the last few years have been fireworks, I think this one's going to be closer to a root canal where, you're just hoping when when the clock hits zero, your team is the one that's ahead. Yeah, it could be similar to that Penn State-Ohio State game. I think, obviously, Michigan has much better offense than Penn State. I think we can say that pretty confidently at this point, but it could be something like that. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly, even though it would be a defensive battle and, you know, Michigan probably has the better offense here overall throughout the entirety of the season – even in a low scoring game like that, I think you trust the better quarterback, as you said. And it's been really since 2011 that Michigan has had the better quarterback in this game, despite it having won against Ohio State the last two years with Cade McNamara. J.J. McCarthy probably outplayed C.J. Stroud overall in terms of just the, the big plays he made and you know some of the timely runs and the way he led that team to victory. Uh, and had a, a lot of help as well, but he wasn't the better quarterback. Look at what CJ Stroud's doing right now. Look at what JJ McCarthy was last year. He was good and very, very good for a first year starter, but not even close to what he is this year. Um, and I think JJ has got to be healthy in this game. He said, he's feeling great. I wouldn't expect him to say anything else. Um, from what we hear though, I think rest would be important in another week, you know, coming off of likely when he suffered that, which was against Penn state lower body type of thing, uh, with the leg, you need him to be good. You need him to be mobile. Um, you need to protect J.J. McCarthy. But even when there are breakdowns in pass protection, because Ohio State does have some pretty good edge rushers out there, you mentioned J.T.T. Uh, as, as being one of them, who's had a couple monster games in his career and then been a little bit more quiet the rest of the way. Uh, but you're, you know, even when there is pressure, J.J. is going to have to be J.J., as they say, and get out of the pocket, make those wild plays, and extend plays, find a Roman Wilson, find a Colston Loveland or an A.J. Barner or one of your other receivers, and just make those plays that, that you know, erase mistakes that Michigan's going to have in this game. Because Ohio State is going to play well. They're going to bring their best, I think, in this game. And then, too, I mean, Blake Corum's healthy for the first time or fully healthy for the first time against Ohio State. High ankle sprain two years ago, last year. It's still incredible that he tried to give it a go. I've listened to a couple national shows this week, and, they were talking about how, yeah, Michigan didn't have Blake Corm and one show even said they had him warm up, you know, out of almost gamesmanship or whatever. No, he was trying to play. He started that game. He ran yeah. twice, including had a four-yard run and had like a pretty nice cut on a torn meniscus and MCL. So it still, you know, is, is not lost on me how impressive that was that Blake Corm did that last year. But talking to Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinter last night, I think they understand, you know, that the offensive line is going to have to play really well, not only in pass protection, but they're going to have to get push 
in the run game. The team that has won the rushing battle in terms of yards, total uh, rushing yards, each of the last 21 meetings has won the game. I love stats like that because it's so deceiving because the team that's winning, you typically are running the ball more and everything. So you could probably say that about a lot of matchups, a lot of series throughout history, but there's no question. They're going to have to be balanced um, with the way Michigan struggled to pass protect. You don't want to be in so many obvious passing situations. You want to keep them guessing and, and kind of stay on script. Hi, this is Jonathan from Lewis Jewelers. If you're in the market for a diamond, we can make the experience easy and stress-free. Not to mention we can save you time and money. As a general manager, one of my roles is to hand-select every diamond that comes into our store. Don't shop alone. Come see me or one of my trusted advisors and find the perfect diamond today. Where Ann Arbor gets engaged, Lewis Jewelers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. The Blake Quorum point is something I wanted to circle back to because yeah. in these last two years, Hassan Haskins had a legacy game against Ohio State. Donovan Edwards, obviously it happened late and it happened mostly on two carries, but that's a guy who had a legacy game in last year's game. It does feel like, and maybe this is a spoiler for later, I feel like we have a Blake Quorum legacy game. You know, The conditions are right for that to happen, and there are a lot of things that have to happen for that to occur. Um, but we've seen when this Ohio State defense has played teams that actually have the pulse a little bit in the run game. They've they've given up some yards. So anyone who think listen, the recipe to this game is not going to be doing the service academy thing that they did at, at Penn State. They're going to have to they're going to have to be I won't say balanced, but they're going to have to do enough in the other areas. But listen, I mean. Donovan Edwards, we, we've been waiting for that violent return to the mean too. And, and it's been a good few weeks for him overall, but Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, those are the guys that will determine this game uh, as well as on the other side, Trevion Henderson. That's a guy that, um, you know, he could turn four yards into 40, you know, in the snap of a finger. So haven't seen as many of those runs for those, from those Michigan's backs this year. I think that's going to be a huge key. And it's been kind of an outlier at this point, but you have to think that, the plan that Michigan has had for kind of limiting limiting Corum and Edwards workloads throughout the year. Listen, I mean, at this point, if you don't win, you're not playing next week and you're not playing a football game for, you know, almost a month and a half. So that's what's on the line with the running backs, the workloads with JJ McCarthy. Listen, I mean, you don't want to put him in harm's way, but you're not playing if you don't win this game next week or you're not playing next week. If you don't win this game. So to me, it's everything and anything is on the table when you look at the offensive game plan. 100%. And even the last two weeks, Blake Corum, 26 carries, 22. He's going to do whatever it takes. J.J. McCarthy said it on Monday. It's it's whatever it takes uh, to win. And he's not going to be 100% for this game. But you don't intentionally put him in harm's way. But, I mean, 
you put him in situations where where he's going to get hit and he could get hit and he delivers some blows too and obviously he's been smarter this year about getting out of bounds and sliding and everything um sliding a little bit less but definitely getting out of bounds and you're going to have to use him in, in that way because you got to be balanced you got to be able to to run you got to be able to pass in this game it's not going to be able to be probably like the Penn State game where you're one dimensional because i do think ohio state has much more fire, firepower on the other side to score than Penn State does, certainly, you know, an understatement. But uh, even though they haven't been that elite off offense that you've seen from Ohio State in years past. So let's let's talk about the Ohio State offense against this Michigan defense. And you started with Travion Henderson. So let's just go right there with how good he's been the last four games since returning from his injury. Um, his numbers last four games, 499 rushing yards, averaging 6.7 yards per carry, five touchdowns in that span as well. And it's really the big plays like you noted that have highlighted those performances. The fact that he's looking, you know, he, he had kind of had an off year last year and he was battling injuries. He was pretty good. Not great. I would say, especially considering the competition early on this year, but he has turned into an elite running back, something that I think a lot of us expected he could be at some point in his career. And he's going to be one of the top running backs, I think in the draft next year, he's a dangerous player to face and Michigan's got to stop their run game. It's probably as strong as it's been uh, right now, currently as it has been going into any other Michigan, Ohio state game the last couple seasons. So that's going to be paramount and not allowing the big plays will be huge. And as Chris Jenkins said on Tuesday night, well, even if he does get uh, through the line of scrimmage, we got KG who can track him down. He was obviously joking. You hope it doesn't come to that AB. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, the other thing too, is that, you look at this Ohio State offensive line, and I, I've I've seen a group the last few weeks that, you know, especially you know, just across the board has played a lot better. Um, you know, you look back to that Penn State game, and I I thought those guys those guys didn't you know. Oh, let's give credit to Penn State too. I think for what my money's worth, um, it is the best defense that Michigan will have seen this year. That and Ohio State is, is right there. Yeah, Ohio State is right there. That's not bulletin board material. That's not disrespect. But that front that Penn State threw out there was as athletic and as physical as any that Michigan or Ohio State will see whether they play each other or they go on and play the college football playoffs. So I give those guys credit too. But, you know, it is uh, – Ohio State is going to have to be able to run the football. In the last few years, you've been able – you can kind of get yourself around that when you have a guy that ultimately winds up being the number two pick in the draft, probably should have been the number one pick. And C.J. Stroud – I feel like single-handedly almost in a lot of ways, the last two years has kept Ohio state in that game. Um, Kyle McCord is not that guy. Uh, he's a lot more. Choose my words carefully here. Uh, a lot more. Ooh, mm, I, I don't know how to say it without someone clipping me. And then I get ratioed after the fact, but uh, he's just not what they what they have had at quarterback, and I think he's shown that when you get pre you know when you get to him and you can make him uncomfortable. I don't know that he has that same, you know, kind of you know. I don't know that he has the escapability. I don't know that he has you know the arm talent to make things happen when things break down. So for me, I think that the, the key to this Michigan game plan is really it, it starts up front. I mean, not to uh, I mean it feels like that's a cliche every single week, but you know, the interior guys getting that pass rush, the edge guys rotating, staying fresh, getting to the quarterback, um, 
You know, it, it really is kind of a team effort. And you look at how Michigan matches up with them. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to get his. I assume that Emeka Abuka is going to get his. Cade Stover is probably going to have an opportunity to get his. But the key is is getting off the – and this is this goes right back to the keys from the last two years. You got to keep them in front of you. You got to get off the field on third down and you got to force them to kick field goals. And to me, that's, that's the recipe. It's, it's a little more predicated on getting to the quarterback than it has been, because I think that their run game is better suited to hold up against a run defense like Michigan. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a very workman like Ohio state offense. I still think to a certain extent, Ryan Day's trying to prove they're a snowplow when really they can they should just be a Ferrari because that's what will work when they if they're able to get to the college football playoff. That's what gave Georgia problems last year. But we'll see. I mean, if if they get in their heads that they want to get into a bar fight with Michigan and try and out physical them, I while I think they're better built to hold up in a game like that, I don't think that's a recipe for success for them necessarily. Yeah. And the whole bend don't break thing too, where you're talking about Ohio State's going to move the football. Travion Henderson's probably going to break at least one run. You got to make sure you do track him down. You line back up and you continue to play and you get a stop in the red zone. And honestly, this game is is one of the biggest reasons why Don Brown is no longer here and why Jim Harbaugh went the route of a Mike <laughs> McDonald and Jesse Minter the last couple seasons where it is kind of that style. You keep things in front. You play a little bit more zone where your guys are facing the line of scrimmage as opposed to having their backs turned and chasing guys all over the field. Um, that is why Jesse Minter's here. I thought he had an unbelievable game plan last year, and you had some great plays as well. You're going to have to make big plays, impact plays in this game. The Mikey Sainer still um, – you know, pass deflection in the end zone on Cade Stover. Jalen Harrell on fourth down breaking up a pass on Cade Stover early on in that game against Ohio State. Like, guys are going to have to make some incredible individual plays. They're going to have to have some incredible individual performances. We'll talk a little bit later about that, who we think can step up in that regard and be, you know, the players of this game, the guys that we're all remembering, the legends, as Jim Harbaugh called J.J. McCarthy and Donovan Edwards last year. And I think that's an accurate description. And Mikey Sainer still other guys as well that earned that label. Um, let's talk about Kyle McCord. And then I do want to highlight Marvin Harrison Jr. Just a little bit more in terms of how Michigan can cover him. But McCord, you kind of mentioned it. I mean, he's been very good, very steady. It seems like he has the right mindset. He has now, you know, it's his first year as a starter, but he has started in some big environments at Notre Dame, at Wisconsin. His numbers, though, not as good on the road as they are at home, I think that's something you see out of a lot of first-year quarterbacks. But 10.3 yards per pass attempt for Kyle McCord at the horseshoe, 7.8 on the road. All four of his interceptions have come away from Columbus. He has the Big Ten worst PFF passing grade well under pressure at 28, averaging four yards per attempt, completing only 38% of his passes when he's facing pressure. And you talked about it with the Ohio State offensive line. It's, it's good, not great. They've had issues pass protecting up the middle at center. Uh, Hinsman is uh, he's allowed the most pressures out of any Big Ten center this year. The tackles, Josh Fryer has allowed five sacks on the right side. Tackles haven't been as good as they would have wanted. They had to dip into the transfer portal to try to piece this offensive line together after losing three starters to the NFL last year. And, you know, I think it's going to be key for Michigan, which hasn't been elite at getting pass rush with four guys. 
to get some with four guys and then also draw up some of your exotic stuff like they've been doing lately with Mike Barrett using him running a lot of stunts, a lot of twists and, you know, trying to get pressure on Kyle McCord, get him off his spot, make him uncomfortable early. And I think that could be key, you know, when you're a first time quarterback in this game and look, it doesn't mean it's a death wish. You know, the fact that you're a first time quarterback, JJ went in and did what he did a year ago. So McCord has a similar opportunity. Absolutely. And you don't want to be too aggressive, right? Because that's how 6239 happens. That's how 5627 happens. But, you know, you want to make Kyle McCord feel you, whether that's, you know, with, with pressure, whether that's with mixing up your coverages, whether that's, you know, stunts and twists up front that are kind of overwhelming his offensive linemen. Uh, to a certain extent, yeah, you want to have that pointed aggression because, I mean, they, if you just let that guy sit back there and you don't get pressure, you will make him look like CJ Stroud. And he has the weapons to allow that to happen if there is no pressure on the quarterback. So all of those guys up front, um, you know, your Jalen Harrell, Jalen Harrell's a guy who's made plays in this game. Um, I thought that the Braden McGregor was disruptive in last year's game. Absolutely. Have, I don't think he had the numbers to back that up either, but um, you know, all of those guys need to make their presence felt. And again, I love the point that you hit on. Like someone has to make a play. And that's been the difference the last few years is that when there's been the plays to be made, Michigan's been the team that's making them and jumping on those mistakes. And that hasn't been the case. That wasn't the case in this rivalry for the two decades that preceded 2021, you know, and water finds it, you know, we talk about Jim Harbaugh a few weeks ago made the comment about, you know, what comes up must come down, you know, citing the physics and the, you know, science behind all of these things. Newton. For years, we watched Ohio State. I mean, the, the 2019 game, which is the last time that Michigan has lost in the regular season with fans in the big house, correct? Yes. First drive of the game, J.K. Dobbins fumbles the football, and somehow this oblong shape that bounces weird in every other situation bounces right back up into, into J.K. Dobbins' arm. It was a I've dribble. seen anything like it. So it was basically a dribble. Yeah, he's playing point guard. Um, so those breaks have started to go the way of Michigan. And again, that's not to say that we can, you know, there's no way of predicting how that goes on Saturday, but there's going to be something like that that happens too. So again, uh, you're just, you're just on guard for all of it. Uh, from a Michigan defensive perspective, I think you just need to keep, you know, play, play your game. And and the key to everything is you've got to, you've got to limit when it comes to, guys to target on this Ohio state offense that you need to limit that will most have an impact on this game. Like, obviously you can't let Marvin Harrison jr. Have 14 catches for 250 yards and three touchdowns. Like you can't let that happen, but Trevion Henderson and slowing that guy down is I think where it starts for Michigan. And then from there it's uh, making Kyle McCord see ghosts. No doubt. Uh, Marvin Harrison jr. Perhaps the best player in college football. I feel like, a lot of people pushing that narrative, and I don't necessarily disagree. Um, you know, could be the highest drafted wide receiver in a long time uh, that we've seen in the NFL next spring. They target him a lot. They target him a lot on third down. They target him a lot in the second half when the game is on the line. They've kind of gone that route really starting all season. But you think of the Penn State game, the way he closed that thing out. I think he had 11 catches, a lot of them late in the game. As he kind of took over, he took over in the Maryland game. I mean, this is a guy that can win you a game. You can't always say that about a wide receiver, but it's the case with him. And Kyle McCord obviously has a good rapport with him. And, and who wouldn't, if you're a quarterback, 
having that type of target to throw to. There are some different ways Michigan can cover Marvin Harrison Jr. I think we will see them mix things up. Talking to Andy Backstrom of Letterman Row, I said, okay, well, what have teams tried on Marvin Harrison Jr.? What's worked? I don't think much has worked, but what has kind of given them a little bit of trouble and what hasn't? Um, and a couple examples of what has not neutralized Marvin Harrison, but slowed him down just a little bit. And Jim Harbaugh used that term too. He said, you got to cover him. He said, well, slow him down might be the better way to put it. And I would agree, but Rutgers goes with a too high safety look, a cover two. He has seven targets in the game, which apparently is low for Marvin Harrison Jr. If anyone on Michigan's team had seven targets, it would be quite the day, obviously. Um, Minnesota does the same thing where they kind of sit back and they make Kyle McCord beat you, uh, you know, with kind of dinking and dunking underneath type of stuff. Obviously, Ohio State has the athletes to get that done as well. I mean, I think you bracket him at times, but I think you also don't necessarily go away with, uh, you know, go away from a lot of the zone coverage you've played throughout the season. Uh, your thoughts on what you do with number 18? Pray, first and foremost, that maybe he gets the flu or something like that or steps on a Lego uh, on his way to the bus on Saturday, which I don't know how that'd be possible. But grown-ups play with Legos now. Maybe Never they have know. in the hotel room. Um, Ann Arbor's a weird town, man. There might be a Lego. Somewhere. It is. It is a weird town. I can I can say that confidently. Yeah, I mean, Will, it's a Will Johnson assignment, right? Like, that's... That's, I think, his biggest impact on this game is what happens in that matchup with Marvin Harrison Jr. And again, I thought, you know, God, you think back to that, the 2021 game, Marvin Harrison Jr. is like a true freshman that's fourth on the depth chart. They had Garrett Wilson. They had Chris Olave. They had Jackson Smith and Jigba. And those guys all kind of put on a show. And But the reason it Michigan was able to neutralize that, and again, you are those guys are gonna, you know, guys of that caliber are going to put up their numbers because in a lot of cases they're just that much better from the guys across from them. So, really, again, the plan is you just you just can't get beat over the top. And whether that's safety help, whether that's again the the exotic pressures that that help those guys on the back end. Um, but again, you know, you don't want them to have to cover as long either. So for me, it's it's just a matter of keeping him in front of you. And getting, you know, you got to get physical with guys like that too, right at the line of scrimmage. Uh, so, to me, that that's where the key is. I, I don't think that you can completely take a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. out of a game. And if you do, Ameka Buko will have a big game, or there are yeah. other guys that can can find ways to have a big game. But, you know, to me, it is just getting off the field in those key situations. And you know, in the third and eight, where uh, Ohio State's at midfield, and and they maybe have something cooking if they can pick this up there that's where you can't let Marvin Harrison Jr. beat you. Um, really, you don't want him to beat you in any scenario, but those are the key stretches of Saturday's game the way I see it. You can let him beat you once deep for a touchdown or whatever like he did last year, which was an unbelievable throw too by C.J. Stroud. But beyond that, I mean, you can't let him kind of take over the game. You can't let anyone on that Ohio State offense take over the game. They do have, an, you know, for as much as we make a Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and it's all deserved, it's not the receiving core that they had in 2021. It's certainly not. Um, I think you would probably rather face this receiving core, even though you do have Marvin Harrison there. And frankly, this Ohio State offense has played better lately. They've also had you know lesser competition. I mean, who doesn't play great against Michigan State or Minnesota? Um, and 
they have looked pedestrian at times in some of the, you know, the bigger games or games that are close. I mean, the Rutgers game, which is, you know, certainly Rutgers is not a good team. I would argue they're a pretty bad team. And, you know, Ohio State looks pedestrian for a portion of that. They didn't produce all that well on the road against Notre Dame until late. And then even then it took, you know, 10 guys on the field the last couple of plays to score. Wisconsin, that offense really struggled. I think McCord threw a couple of interceptions. So, look, this environment, this crowd, it's on the Michigan fans as well to uh, play a part in that. But, yeah, I agree. Will Johnson going to have a huge role. I think we'll talk about him here as well in just a second. But um, I think we we basically got to everything on from the Michigan defense's standpoint. Um, you know, you got to cover the other guys too, I guess, is, is a note I wrote down because, you know, when you do try to take away one guy, as you mentioned, you know, still Mikey Sainer still might be one-on-one with Obuka. And, I mean, Obuka got him a couple times last year. Obviously, Mikey made his own plays that, that changed the game as well. But Cade Stover, a very good target from tight end. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be all hands on deck, you know, facing these guys. Well, and then this game always produces those outlier performances yes. too. I mean, I think back to the 2018 game, Chris Olave, I think was a true freshman and had the game of his life, you know, early on in that one. And that's not something that Michigan game plan for. So you just have to you know so much of this is you know, not to be cliche, but obviously the opponent that you'll face on Saturday is the toughest that you will have seen all year. But also, a lot of it's just locking in and making plays from your own perspective, too, and, and sticking to what you've been taught all week. You know, some of those guys will press and try to do something extra, but you just got to play football, and mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see where it goes from there. Let's talk about some players who could decide this thing. We usually do the offensive player of the game, defensive player of the game. This game, the last couple of years, we've kind of shifted to those guys. Like, like you said, it might not be an outlier. It might be the star player, but guys that will become those legends on either side because Olave did so early on in his career, as you mentioned, JJ McCarthy, Donovan Edwards. Um, you know, we didn't even know if Donovan Edwards was going to play last year. He had basically one, one hand. And then uh, as Jim Harbaugh said, he could have taken a knee instead. He wore a cast and now he's a legend. Well, those, those guys are going to pop up on either side of this rivalry. I'll, I'll say for Michigan, if we start from the Michigan standpoint, it's pretty obvious, but like, just the way things are gone the last couple weeks and going into this matchup, you're going to need JJ to be special. You're probably going to need Blake Corum to be special and you're going to need the offensive line to play well. Um, you know, I'm naming some pretty obvious things, but I wrote Will Johnson down as well. I think he's going to have to have a big game, whether or not he follows Marvin Harrison around all game long, you know, because again, if he's not on Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and a couple other guys are, he's going to have to play lockdown on the other side. So it's, um, it's going to be crucial that that Michigan secondary holds up. I think the D line getting pressure is going to be huge. Um, and, and plenty of X factors, I think to, to look at with this game. Yeah. I mean, you just look at the guys that need to have good games first and foremost. I mean, Carson Barnhart the last few weeks has, has not been good. Uh, in fact, he's been pretty bad and we tend to, uh, you know, tend to not dog on guys, but he's got to pick it up. Uh, Ladarius Henderson seems like last week was precautionary. Expect him back at left tackle. He has to have a good game. Uh, you know, the tackles in this game are, are key to are key to everything. Obviously, you know, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, those are guys that you need to we talked about this earlier this week in that you know, Cornelius didn't have a great game at Maryland, but typically when he has those types of games, he pay, you know, he pays it back with interest, which is something we saw in last year's Ohio State game. Um 
I'm thinking of other guys again. Josh Wallace is huge. Those safeties are huge. Mike Sainer still is huge. Yeah, you, know, you could you could start being like Jim Harbaugh and go through the entire roster. Okay, you know, gotta play good to to win the game. But I look at that Michigan offensive line and both tackles. I mean, I think that's the elephant in the room right now. That if if what we see from them is what we saw the last two weeks, it's going to hamper their ability to go out and win this football game. So those are the guys to me that need to have big games to win that aren't obvious. Like, oh, well, J.J. McCarthy can't throw a couple. Yeah, duh. He, he, J.J. McCarthy has to play well. But, uh, you know, of the guys that we just spoke about, I think that it's the tackles that I'm going to be looking at the closest. And then from the Ohio State perspective, I think a lot rides on how Kyle McCord handles this. We went through the numbers, you know, him on the road, him under pressure. Oh, he's going to be on the road on Saturday. He's going to face some pressure at different points. What kind of mistakes does he make? You know, what kind of mistakes does either side make? Um, Emeka Ibuka, for me, I think he's he was overrated coming into the year, but I think it's a huge matchup. You know, just you want to look at matchups in this game. Maybe one of the more underrated ones, but him against Mikey Sanders still. How that plays out. Um, like you said, Josh Wallace against uh, Julian Fleming as well, if that's a matchup that we see at times. Tommy Eichenberg going to be back for Ohio State. I think they're going to, as Trevor Keegan said, he thinks they're going to do everything they can to stop the run. Maybe not everything they can because we saw how that worked out at the end of last year's game. But I think they're certainly going to make that an emphasis. Obviously, it always is. Uh, Eichenberg will be huge with that. Denzel Burke in the secondary, who uh, was talking pretty confidently this week, said nothing about Michigan stands out on film. He said it's going to be about how we play. And that's, it's not the worst quote, but you know, his dad has, has flapped his gums in the past as well. Said before last year's game that they wouldn't lose. And uh, I think we all know what happened, but. Uh, any any guys on Ohio State that you think could emerge as the players, whether you know whether we're talking about them after because Ohio State won, or because you know maybe they they didn't step up in the way that they need to against some of these Michigan guys in their matchups. Yeah, I mean the flip side of Michigan's tackles is that JTT and and Jack Sawyer are guys yeah. that are keys for Ohio State. Uh, I think yep. if Ohio State is going to find a way to win this football game, those guys will have to have good days for them. Um, you know, you look at the back end of that that secondary. Um, you know, a lot of whiffs in coverage the last few years, some missed tackling, some some coverage busts. Those guys are going to have to step up as well because I, I do think that there's something to. I don't want to say Michigan has more big playability at wide receiver than they did last year, but you know, Roman Wilson's a guy that could house a house a reception at, at any point if he kind of you know knifes up the sideline too. So. That's going to be a key for those Ohio State guys. And again, that offensive line, I think that Jesse Minter and Mike Elston are going to throw the kitchen sink at those guys. And if Ohio State's offensive line is able to handle that, that's going to, I think, also kind of, you know, if they're able to find ways to keep Kyle McCord clean, that's going to be bad news for Michigan. I like how when we were talking to Zach Zinter on Tuesday night, he was kind of smirking a little bit when someone asked about, what do you think about the concept of saving plays or looks or formations or whatever against <laughs> for the biggest game. And, and, you know, he kind of cracked a smile a little bit. He said, yeah, I'm sure they're doing that too. And, you know, it's just kind of the way things go. And, and obviously Michigan has, and obviously Ohio state will in this game as well. Final score predictions. I don't like mine at all. I got Michigan winning 31 to 25. I flip flopped a couple times early on in the week. I have settled on the fact that I think Michigan's a better team. I think they've been the better team all year. I think people are overreacting a little bit to the Maryland game. It's obviously going to be a big blow not to have Jim Harbaugh in on this game. 
and he frankly should be on the field for this game. The fact that he was suspended by the Big Ten is remains absurd uh, objectively, and I think anyone who really understands the situation and has have has dove into it knows that. Um, so that's going to have an impact. I still think this Michigan team behind this crowd and behind the better quarterback are going to be able to get it done. But, uh, you know, it's it's a toss-up type of game. I don't love that I also picked the over with my score prediction. That just kind of happened on natural. Um, but, I, again, I just don't really love this pick, but that's what I'm going with. Well, I'm not going to be on an island again this year. I was the only person that believed last year. and uh, Which is scary because Michigan fans probably are hoping I pick Ohio State based on yeah, the last two uh, years. I'll say this. I didn't go with my gut in 2021. I went with my gut last year. It served me well. I'm going to go with my gut again. I have Michigan winning this football game. I, I think it's going to be low scoring. I would pick the under uh, if I was someone that was betting it. I have them winning 26-17. to 17. Um and obviously probably pulling away a little bit late. I do think this is going to be a fight throughout. Um, but for, for me, I just think that, you know, so much has been made about, oh, well, Michigan did this and Michigan's accused of that. And, oh, well, this adds X amount of points to the board. Well, I think the most tangible competitive disadvantage Michigan could have going into this game is that Jim Harbaugh won't be out there, but I can't quantify it. Anyone who says they can quantify it is lying, but, um, Jim Harbaugh was out there the last two years. Michigan won in blowout fashion the last two years. So, okay, I'll take whatever, 10 points off the board or whatever. I still think Michigan wins. I think they're the better football team. I think when push comes to shove, they're going to be the more physical football team, and that's going to be the difference. So uh, it's going to be a fight, though, and this is this is as much of a coin flip as the last two have been coming into them, but I think this one has – I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight. I don't think this is going to be a blowout either way. I think it's going to be one of those meat grinder type of games. I agree. I agree with that. Uh, let's finish with no man knows the future. Last one of the regular season. We'll pick three games. There's a lot of football on. There will probably be some good games Friday, Saturday. We obviously have the lions on Thursday as well as you uh, have that Turkey dinner. Um, but not a ton of sexy matchups, I guess you would say. The one I'm most intrigued of outside of this Michigan game is Oregon State at Oregon. Oregon, a 13.5-point home favorite over under 62.5. I think Oregon might be the best team in the country. I also think Oregon State's going to cover, uh, but the 13.5 kind of scares me. I'd like to have it at 14, I, I think. I am with you on Oregon right now. I think we, we talked about this over the weekend. There's one team. I don't think anyone wants to play right now. It is Oregon. And if not for Dan Lanning going Dan Campbell, a la 2021 in the Washington game, that team would be undefeated right now. Uh, they're the best, you know, you talk about teams peaking at the right time. I think Oregon's a wagon and I think they'll cover. Iron bull, Alabama at Auburn. Auburn is, I have that written wrong. Auburn is a 14 and a half point underdog. So it should be plus 14 and a half over under is 48 and a half. That is my bad on that. Um, Auburn loses to New Mexico. Was it New Mexico or New Mexico state? I think it was New Mexico. Jerry kill was New Mexico state. I'm not sure. I know Andre Seldon was on the opposing team. Jerry kill wins. I, game. I know that uh, it was new Mexico state. You are right. Jerry Kill, Hugh Freeze, couldn't be different. 
you know, more different individuals, uh, I will say. I got Auburn covering the 14 and a half. The Iron Bowl is weird, especially when it's at Auburn. And it just makes way too much sense that they got blown out by New Mexico State and that they're going to cover, at least against Alabama. It feels like Alabama's due for a bit of a, a scare. Um, and, you know, 14 and a half points, that's still a decent amount of points for a rivalry game. I, I really think Auburn stinks, though. I'm going to go with Alabama. I'm not confident about it, but I do think Alabama will win. It's another team that's played its best ball over the last few weeks. Let's finish with not a, a pick on one side or the other, but as we've done a couple times throughout the year, the Iowa-Nebraska over-under. It's down to 26 and a half. It's got to be, if not the lowest in history, one of the lowest, because I think it was right around here and it was the lowest a few weeks ago in one of the Iowa games. They continue to defy the laws of football. Just give me the under because it's way more fun to watch and way more funny. And I, I don't know how much I will watch. So it's it's not that bad when you just kind of track in the score and you see three, two or two, nothing. Man, this is this is tricky Friday, for by me the way. because I. This is tricky for me because I've been taking the Iowa over unders and I've been dipping them down to 26 and a half. So now that we're at 26 and a half, I'm like, I want to buck the trend and say over, but barely like this is a 14, 13 game or something like that, which is, it's crazy that that's enough. We just did a, we just did a game two picks ago. That was 62 and a half. This is what I'm not good at math. Half of that less than it's a different sport. It's a different sport. I mean, this is, uh, and I was playing for a Big Ten title next weekend. That's insane. They're locked so, in. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to see it in person one more time. Uh, let's screw it. I changed my pick. Let's go under. Come on, you got to. You got to. So, all right, we're both on the under there. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving. One more time, please like the video on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, and the promo code UM1. UM with the numeral one will get you premium access over at the Wolverine.com for just $1 for two months. So one buck for two months. You do the math there. 50 cents a month. Pretty good deal. Check us out at the Wolverine.com. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the game on Saturday and we will see everyone next time.